beautiful. The big one's to the left of Jesus. And I'm thinking, is that a big tree or a little tree? It's a big tree. That's a big waterfall. Anyway. <coughs> Just look at this. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> uh, doing some different things. Um, there's a few people uh, doing some different things. Uh, this Sunday, um, Lois and uh, Wilma and Chris um, will be heading off to Ballarat uh, for the Southern Cross Kids Camp, which uh, goes Monday to Friday. The, the buddies and staff go over um, on the Sunday afternoon. Uh, last week, the Bendigo Camp, uh, and these both Ballarat and Bendigo Camps are held at Creswick, uh, that happened, um, and it is it is such. Mm, <laughs> it is such a an impactful time for those children, those kids that have have they've had it hard, you know, in their young lives. Um, they haven't had the the you know nice family environment. Um, some of them are victims of, of abuse of all, all different um, sorts. And, uh, and, you know, we would say that they are, they are damaged. <laughs> They're damaged kids. <laughs> but um, um, <coughs> God is good at fixing things. <laughs> He's the great fixer. And uh, he's the one that makes things new. And, and um, you know, these kids get to experience a week of um, interaction with adults um, that will unconditionally love them. Because uh, some of these kids are, you would, you would say they are unlovable. <laughs> some of their behaviours and, and, and what have you but they get to experience what love is. And it is the love of God. So please um, be praying for uh, the camp next week, Ballarat, as, as, you, as you are praying. Just remember them. Um, and particularly Chris, because Chris is um, going to be a buddy. <laughs> and that's the hardest job. That is the hardest job there. Uh, it's the most rewarding, I believe, but boy, it um, it can be a, a a tough time. So please be praying for him. <laughs> In um, nineteen eighty five, I I um, started work at at the school, and and uh, it wasn't very long when I was coming to church. Here, and from the very start, I was hearing something that I had never heard before. Um, not that I had a, a huge church um, background as far as different inputs. I'd been to you know the Anglican Church and 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 a Church of Christ youth group, and that was about it. 
um, but I was hearing something about the structure of, of God's government that I hadn't seen in any measure in any, in any place before and, and it, it really struck me. And um, Mr. Keane, Jeff's dad, um, often would, would speak about the, the way that God had intended for his church to operate uh, and that um, out of Ephesians 4, we, you can read that, the fivefold ministry of evangel, uh, sorry, um, <clears throat> apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher and they're flowing together and, and that was his heart's desire for this house um, that that would be the case. And I want to speak a little bit this morning about the things that either make that possible or restrict that um, from happening. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18. Just want to read uh, from verse 1 to 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one, of, receives one little child like this in my name receives me. When you think about it, you think about little children. Little children are dependent. They are dependent. That's why they're called dependents. Children are dependent on us. Now, I know they have their times, you know, I can do it all by myself. Yeah, we, you know, we, as parents, we, we understand and experience those times where the, the child wants to be independent. But the reality is that they are, they are dependent. Are we dependent? Are we dependent on our Heavenly Father? Do we understand that, no, I cannot do it by myself? We didn't get saved by ourselves. There was nothing that we could have done to save ourselves. It was only because of his blood, his sacrifice, and his giving to us that we were able to receive that. So we come into the, come into the kingdom of God as little children. And that's what Jesus was making a, a point of. But, you know, that theme sort of runs through the, through the Gospels. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation. It's Luke chapter 9. The disciples had a really hard time getting this, it seems. And time and time again, it, it, it comes up through Scripture. 
And in verse, <clears throat> no, I better get in the right, um, right book. Luke chapter 9 and verse 46. Got there. <laughs> the disciples began to argue and become preoccupied over who would be the greatest one among them. Who would be the greatest one among them? Fully aware of their innermost thoughts, Jesus called a little child to his side and said to them, if you tenderly care for this little child on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. And if you care for me, you are honouring my Father who sent me. (laughs) For the one who is least important in your eyes is actually the most important one of all. And sorry, I I just keep thinking about those kids on camp. (laughs) Because society looks at them and, and they say... Yeah, they didn't have a good start. They will amount to nothing. That's not what God says. And that's not how God sees them. And as we serve those who are the least, that is what God is looking for. That's what, um, that, what's what draws his, inten- his attention. But these disciples, <laughs> preoccupied, preoccupied, arguing, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest amongst us? And God knows our innermost thoughts. And sometimes we can, we can put on the face, can't we? We can put on the church face. It's all good here. But it's what's happening in here that God sees. That's what he sees and that's what he wants to get to. That's why he, that's why he dwells in our, in our hearts. So... I want to keep going with this. Back in uh, in uh, Matthew chapter twenty, <clears throat> out of the Passion again. Matthew chapter twenty, and verse starting in verse twenty. <laughs> the wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, James and John. She knelt before him and asked him a favour. It's good to have your mum on your side, isn't it? Isn't that good? He said to her, what is it that you want? She answered, make a decree that these, my sons, will rule with you in your kingdom. One sitting on the right hand, one on the left. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> you know, sometimes people ask for things in the kingdom of God. They ask for position. They ask to be doing this and that. <clears throat> and sometimes we don't know what we're asking for. Ha. <sighs> And uh, he he asked, you know, are you are you going to are you going to be able to to do what I'm doing? Are you going to be able to to 
pour out yourself like I'm going to pour out myself. And I said, yeah, we can do that. No clue. Clueless. Clueless individuals. However, God is good. God is good. And a little bit further down, verse 24, it says, The other ten disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, there it is again, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. Love that. A completely different model. Oh, glory to God. Where is it? The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honour and authority is reserved for the one with the heart's with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. So here they are again. There was an ambition, even in the, in, even in the 12, even in the ones that Jesus called, there was an ambition and that ambition stirred up jealousy in the others. Well, who are you? Who are you to, to, to want position? But Jesus said, you will lead by a completely different model. Completely different model. So, is this a new problem? No. No. <laughs> No, not at all, not at all. Now, we know that it's all a result of sin and it's Satan's rebellion. He said, I will be like God. I will have that position. You know, you've created me beautiful, but I want more. I want more than what you've given me to, to, to operate in. In... Um, in uh, Numbers chapter 12, <laughs> um, it was a time where yeah, the, the children of Israel are in the, in the wilderness and all the, all the things are happening. But um, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they spoke, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? <laughs> that was the leadership team. Has, has, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Aren't we important too? And it says, and the Lord heard it. <laughs> And the Lord heard it. And if you want to read further, you'll see the dressing down that they got. <laughs> but it says in verse 3, 
Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. The man Moses was very humble. Now, God had called Moses into that position. And when you you, you read the, the story, Moses didn't really want that position. He said, don't send me to Pharaoh, I can't speak, who am I? I've been on the backside of the desert for 40 years, minding sheep and goats. Why me? God says, why not? God says, I've appointed you. This is what I want you to do. This is what you were created for. And you know, you 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 look at 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 the the um, the books that uh, that Moses Moses authored and the things that God had him to do and 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 he was a strong individual. And sometimes we think of a strong individual as being somebody who, you know, makes things happen and pushes obstacles out of the way and, and, you know, puts people in their place. And, well, actually, Moses didn't put anybody in their place here. And you see it time and time again that when Moses was challenged, he just sort of stepped back and... And God stepped in. He stepped back and God stepped in. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. But we've actually got to give him room. We have to give him room. <laughs> so that's right back then. That's thousands of years ago. Many thousands, not so many thousands of years ago, um, a couple, there was uh, a church uh, that is spoken about in um, uh, the third epistle of John. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses from here, third epistle of John, verse nine, and this is John writing to the to the church. Um, he'd been speaking about um, an offering, financial support, and that um, that letter has gone. Um, but in verse nine, John's. Writes, I have already written you once about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be in charge and recognized as first among you, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come to you, I will address what he is doing, spreading his malicious slander against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome our brothers and he stands in the way of those who want to receive them and show them hospitality by throwing them out of the church. So you've got a situation here where there is leadership in a, in a local church and Diotrephes 
one of those leaders, it says he loved, in the New King James Version, it says he loved to have the preeminence. He loved to be seen as the boss. And he exercised authority that, now he must have been allowed to, 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 to do that. Let's, let's be honest here. So there was possibly a pulling back from some people who allowed him to have that position and exercise the authority that he did. So in, the, in, that, in that time, there were local churches that were established through, through um, you know, missionary journeys and, and, and other, other means, but there were travelling ministry, apostolic ministry that would travel from church to church and build up the church with the, the, um, the five-fold ministry um, and, uh, and all that was in, involved there. And this person, he, he's made, John made him famous, um, Diotrephes was not allowing that flow to happen. And the flow of the ministry is to build up the body of, of, of Christ, to build up the members in the body that they would do the work of ministry that every part would do its part. So it's not a, it's not a, new, it's not a new problem. And, and you, know, we, you can find other examples um, through Scripture. So the biblical model of multiple eldership for church governance cannot function if the following are present. Now... These are all rooted in pride. And sometimes we talk about pride. Pride comes in so many different forms. And it hides. Pride hides. Sometimes it's false humility. Sometimes it's some of these things that I'm going to mention right now. So, ego. Ego. You say, well, what's ego? Glad you asked. A person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Now, there's a lot said about self-esteem. You know, you've got to build up people's self-esteem, their, their sense of self. And, you know, the... The scripture does speak along the lines of, you know, you love your neighbour as yourself. So if you hate yourself, well, you're not going to do very well. But there, I also believe there's an over there's an over emphasis on self-esteem. You know, who made you? That's where that comes from. So a self-esteem that's outside of a connection with God isn't going to have a good result. It, it, you know, it might, um, it might um, create some narcissism and all other sorts of things, but it's not going to, it's not going to create, it's not going to create um, a person that's in a, in a tremendous, tremendous place. So, ego can't be present. It can't be present in a, in a person's life who's, who's operating 
in a biblical structure of multiple eldership. Because what whatever's going on in the in the in the head of a of a of the body, well, the Jesus is the head. <laughs> but whatever's going on in the in the in the structure of the leadership filters down. It will. So it's got to be right in the in the in that um, in that eldership in that multiple eldership biblical model. So ego can't be there. Comparison. What a ripper. Comparison. It is a consideration or estimate of similarities or dissimilarities. And you think, well, that's all right. Not really. Because what we do when we're comparing ourselves to others, we're comparing their best with our worst. Because what happens is that, I've said it already, we have, we have our outward, this is who I am, this is, this, is our, this is my church face, this is who I am, okay? And we, give, we show our, our best, the best of who we are, all right? So if I'm doing that to Caleb, you know, he's seeing the best of who I am. And you're thinking, oh, he's pretty good. And he's comparing himself, me to himself. And what's he comparing? He's comparing what's in his heart. He's not comparing his, his church face. He's, he's comparing what's going on in his heart. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We compare the outward with the inward. And when we do that, shocking. It's not real. It's not real because we can't see what's in a, a person's arm. Well, sometimes, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and we, we get a glimpse. But we actually can't see what's in a person's heart. Comparison, it can't be there. And, and, and let's be real. God has given us each different functions. You know, my little toe and my eyeball. You know, if they got together and, and had a, a little comparison party. No, they did. My eye is very important. I like two of them and I want to uh, keep them. But my little toes are really important too. How would I know that a piece of furniture was out of place in the middle of the night when I'm walking past it if I didn't have my little toe? <laughs> We've all done that. So there are different functions. Comparison is a really, really, really dangerous thing to be hidden within us. And this one, competition. The activity or condition of striving to gain or win something by defeating or establishing superiority over others. Now, if we're talking about the footy, Fine. That's fine. Because it is a competitive environment and that's exactly what you're trying to do. If we're talking about church leadership, 
absolutely explosively destructive. Absolutely. So ego, comparison, competition, it cannot be there. It cannot be there. If it is, the model does not work. Hmm. So in the body of Christ, these things, I believe, come from a place of insecurity and a lack of trust in the plans, the purposes, and the authority of God. Insecure Christians, insecure Christian leaders. And you think, well, how can that be? How can that be? Easy. (laughs) We've, We've seen it throughout church history. Easy. But it comes back to a lack of submission to Almighty God and to everything that he says he will do. I will build my church. Okay, God, I want to be on board with that. What would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? It's not, what would I like to do in the kingdom of God? It's, Lord, what would you have me to do in the kingdom of God? And you know, if we fulfill what God has given us to do in the kingdom of God, we will be fulfilled. If we try and take something in the kingdom of God that is not ours, we will forever be tormented because it's not the place. There's no grace on that. I want to read Romans uh, chapter 12. We know these um, scriptures really well. Romans chapter 12, out of the passion. I'm going to start in verse 1. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but So stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Hallelujah. Inwardly transformed through a total reformation of how you think. Now, 
those areas of ego, comparison, competition, those things are part of, of, of all of us. It's, it's, it's part of human nature. It's part of our fallen human nature. We've got to actually stop thinking that way. We've actually got to think differently. And, you know, someone will say to me, well, you know, someone's, you know, someone's just pushing my buttons. Have you ever heard that, that, that expression? Yeah. Well, someone's just pushing my buttons. My question is, why do we still have buttons? Why have we still got those buttons? If you've got buttons that people can push, you are at the mercy of button pushers. Now, if you've had a sibling, probably your sibling or siblings knew where your buttons were and pushed them mercilessly. And knew how to get you to react. And did so. Yeah. When stuff happens that upsets us, how do we view it? How do we view the stuff that upsets us? Is our attention focused on the irritant, which is usually a person? Or do we recognise that there might be something in us that God is allowing to be revealed so that we can ask for his help to overcome it? Isn't that a different way of thinking? Well, I'm just, this is just my personality. I've just been created this way and this is just how I am. Well, change your mind. Think differently. When Cain and Abel brought their offering to God and Cain got upset, he got upset with his brother. What was the problem? Was Abel the problem? Abel wasn't the problem. It was what was in Cain that was in the problem. And God said, you know, evil knocks on the door. Evil's knocking on your door. Sin's knocking on your door, but you can overcome it. Now, he didn't. <laughs> we know the story. Cain kills Abel. But that's the opportunity that we have. That... When things are irritating us and, and, and that's coming up within us, we have the opportunity to say, okay, Lord, what, what's, the, what's the issue here that you would like to deal with in my heart? That's a different way of thinking. That is such a different way of thinking. James chapter 4 verse 10 just says, be willing to be made low before the Lord. And the New King James Bible says, humble yourself. And he will exalt you. 
And if we don't do that, is that we don't trust what God says he will do. He will exalt us. Oh, yeah, but it's taking too long. And I've got this, I've got this ministry in me and it's taking too long and, and I won't be noticed and, and I won't... Whatever. Whatever. No, just humble yourself before God and what he's put in you, he will bring out and he will cause that to be used in the body of Christ. However he wants it to be used, wherever he wants it to be used, and Gavin's a panic preacher. <laughs> He's preaching in, the, in, his, in his paddock. Man, there's a lot of word gone into the in the, in, the, in 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 there, isn't there, Gavin? Amen. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of veggies in that in that uh, in that soil come out of that soil, and there's. And there's a lot of word that's gone in to people's hearts in that place. And God's word does not return to him void. It's wherever he's got us, wherever he wants to use us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just want to finish with, um, with scripture out of Philippians uh, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And this sort of sums it up a little bit. Philippians chapter 2 and verse, I'll start in verse 3. This is the Passion Translation and it's got a little heading the start of chapter 2, join together in perfect unity. I'll, I'll start in verse 2. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity, one heart, one passion, and united in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy, uh, Paul writes. And then in verse 3, be free. From pride-filled opinions, ego, comparison, competition. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. That's countercultural. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. And it goes on to say that Jesus emptied himself. Though he was equal with God, he didn't consider that to be the prize that he was going after. He emptied himself, became obedient, even to the death on the cross. And we know the result because we are the result. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is building his church. 
he is and will continue. And, and in this house, that is going to be our, our focus of the biblical model of governance, where there are different people working as one, deferring to one another, in submission to one another. Yes, the authority is there. The spiritual authority is there, absolutely. But there's not a clamouring over one another to, to, to be the one. That's not how it works. And, you know, I've, I've said this before, that thought of one accord, it's in Scripture, one accord, one accord, one accord. When the church was operating as the church needed to operate, needs to operate, and that one accord, and this is the definition, I love it. When a group of people acts single-mindedly, unanimously, in harmony, in unity, <laughs> and without dissent, they are operating in one accord. And if that's happening in the leadership of the church, it will happen in the body of the church. That will happen within us. And we will take that and we will take that out and that will be, that will be a magnet. That will be something that, that people will see because it is so counter-cultural. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So glory to God. You know, sometimes God gives a, God's speaking all the time. So when he speaks to us, sometimes we think, oh, I have a word for somebody. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just a word for ourselves. Maybe God's just speaking to us about a certain thing. And, you know, when I, I'm always very, very conscious of when I feel I have a, a, a message for the church to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me first in this? Because that's where it's got to start. It has to start in here and then it can come out there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to, um, I'm going to pass the baton. Um, well, Caleb's going to pass the baton, this being the baton. No, the baton's going over there. Okay. <laughs> Glory to God. Change of plans. Are we on? How's that? that get any better? Good. Yeah, change of plans. Um, God gave me a word for communion this morning while I was in worship. I didn't know at the time that's what it was for, but when Tim started speaking, I knew it was for communion. Now, Caleb was to be doing communion. I said, God's just given me a word for communion. His response was, well, that's not fair because I'm down to do it. No, he said, great. Because we have a desire to flow together in what God's doing. 
We want to have an ear to hear corporately what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. That requires every one of us to tune in. We have a personal responsibility to tune in. Not to come and listen. We've got to tune in. Now, that teaching this morning was very good. The purpose of the teaching is preparing our hearts for what God's getting ready to do. There has to be the preparation if we're going to receive what God's doing and step into it because we'll be saying, yes, that's what God's been saying to me. Now, apart from what God has said to me personally about revival that's coming, I've had at least three different people speak to me with a word from God about the revival that's coming here to Bendigo. So we have to have our hearts prepared for what God is doing. If we're going to step into it. While I was in worship, the Lord spoke to me and said, this next move of God is moving the humble into their prepared position. This move of God that's coming is moving the humble into their prepared position. God has a place prepared for you. And as we humble our hearts, he'll bring us into it. Now, you've heard a lot this morning about people trying to promote themselves and putting themselves in the position. Interesting, isn't it, that God gave me that word prior to Tim speaking. I have no idea what he's speaking on. But if we will recognize the voice of God and allow that humility of spirit to be all-consuming within us and recognize God sees our heart and promotion comes from the Lord. And promotion isn't always the way we see and think it should be, but it's right before God. Now, It means brokenhearted for sin, deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God. Do you know our attitude can offend God? We want to have our attitude right before we have communion, don't we? If we want to receive the fullness of what God's talking about in the scriptures about communion, right attitude. We are going to have communion in a few moments, so if you haven't got your... Communion, you can get it now. For having offended God, it means to be humble, penitent as of a contrite sinner. One who's sorry for offending God. Are we sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to recognize when we've said or done something that's offended the Holy Spirit? Or does our pride just put it aside and say, oh, God understands? Tim was saying how pride comes in so many different forms. And it's very deceptive. The biggest problem with pride is we don't recognize it's operating. Verse in Isaiah says, For thus says 
the one who was high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him, also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Revival's on the way. Do you want your heart to be revived by the Spirit of God? Do you want to know that first love passion where everything is coming second to what the Spirit of God wants? I've got it. It's all right. I've got it undone. It's all right. I'm right. So God is reviving the hearts of his people, preparing you right now. If you're hearing the word of God, God is preparing hearts right now. Are you prepared to say, Lord, I just surrender everything of pride, everything of myself, everything that's not according to your spirit, I surrender it right now. I want my heart to be soft before you, Lord. I don't want to hold anything in my heart against any person. I don't want anything to interfere with the revival that you prepared and the place you prepared so I can step into it and experience the realms of the glory of God like nothing I've ever experienced before in my life. If we will take the step and say, Lord, I humble myself. My heart is so soft before you that I want to receive. I'm constantly praying. I'm saying, Lord, you know my heart. But if there's anything there that's between you and me, Lord, get it out of the way. I don't want anything interfering with the work of God in my heart or in this church. And there's some teaching coming very soon that's going to cause you to have a greater understanding of the governance of God. And God's preparing because you're going to put it in place. And you're going to see everything start to slot into place. The things I've had in my heart for many years, God is beginning to do it. But I haven't got time to talk about that now. So if you've got your communion, you'd like to stand, please. So when we recognise the Creator came and said, I'll humble myself. I'll allow myself to be put in the hands of men, to be despised, to be whipped, to be broken, so that we can enjoy all the benefits of salvation. What a great saviour. What a great Lord, eh? And all he's looking for us is to receive what he's done. So, Lord, I thank you. I receive everything you've done for me. Let's eat. And when we understand that, you realize this truly is a cup of blessing. And God wants us to walk in the blessing. And we can walk in the blessing when our heart's right before him. Thank you, Father. Let's drink. Father, we thank you for everything you've said, for everything you've done for each one of us. 
Lord, we want to be in the place that you've prepared for us. So right now, we humble our hearts in total surrender. Say, Lord, we long for you to have your way in our heart, in this house, for you to be exalted, that we may step into that realm of glory that you have prepared for each one of us, to know that level of glory, that glory that lifts us above the realms of the natural, that glory that brings us into the presence of the Father, where we know the Father's love, we know the Father's heart, and we are secure in our identity that Jesus has provided for every one of us. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, yeah, well, there was a few challenges in that for everybody, I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we probably need to uh, locate our buttons and disconnect them. <laughs> uh, just on that, uh, during worship I had a picture that I have had before. But it was a bloke wandering along the beach, just strolling along the beach. But behind him was his son jumping into his same footprints that his dad was making. And um, he, God was just saying that, um, yeah, be like Jesus, walk in those footsteps. So, mm. so just school holidays, not much is happening in the usual programs. There is a prayer meeting on the Wednesday night. It's... Uh, yeah, I would just encourage you to come along to that. Um, but as we finish today, just go out and be the church. Mm. So unless there's, Tim's got other stuff, um, yeah, let's go out, take the Holy Spirit with us and be the church. <laughs> 